Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mestagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hi everyone, my name is Chloe Mustagi and I am your host for Secure Your Strategy podcast with ITSP Magazine. And I have my wonderful guest with me today. Rich, do you want to tell the lovely people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, and firstly, thank you so much for the, for the invite to join you. Pretty excited for yeah. the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, so my name is Rich Davis. Uh, I'm head of solutions for Netscape for the EMEA region. Probably tell by my accent. Uh, been in cybersecurity for longer than I wish to, probably over 20 years now, uh, through various different fields. Uh, so yeah, currently helping uh, our customers and prospects kind of understand where we fit into the overall strategy. So looking forward to the conversation. Nice. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. The whole world is still talking about ChatGPT at this time. And I know in our industry, there have been several people talking about the issues and the concerns and the fears that they have about employees using ChatGPT for anything in the workplace. And I was wondering what has been kind of your sense of how the security community is reacting to it. And then also, how are people that are not in the security field reacting to it? And how do you get them to understand this need of understanding of how we could be secure while using ChatGPT, if that's a possibility? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think this is representative in everything that I hear. It seems to be a topic of conversation, uh, if obviously for a lot of people. I think uh, for some professionals, a lot of us have been using AI and ML technology for years and years. And yeah, all of a sudden it's made mainstream media and it's got everybody's attention, right? Not just those within uh, within the industry. Uh, so I think the, 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 the most interesting thing from our point of view is this balance between organizations wanting to embrace AI and uh, large language models because of the benefit it will give them as an organization versus staying secure. And of course, that's the conundrum with everything. Uh, but organizations don't really want to just hard and fast block it and and risk uh get, you know uh, not being able to keep up with competition who maybe are embracing this and, and are using it as a as a competitive advantage so that that's really the crux of the conversations i'm having right now yeah so i'm right now at this conference it's a data ai summit over in san francisco and the conversations i've been hearing has been like you know, ChatGPT can write about 80% of my code perfectly. And I don't understand why we should not be utilizing it at this time because it can it can spit out things way faster than I can. All I have to do is just review it and look over it. Um, and then the same time you hear folks in like on the marketing side and using it for like blog postings and you know, trying they're like, it's a better writer than I could ever be. It could be sarcastic, it could be funny, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, and it understands the audience better than you know anyone else. And so it seems like it's being used so much. And of course, like those concerns in place is okay, but what does that mean when you enter in certain data, right? 
Like when you're asking it to create things or build a spreadsheet for you, or you're going to have to put in some sensitive data in there. And then where does it go once you put that sensitive data in? Exactly. And I think this is the the crux of the issue is that by virtue of the way that um, the generative AI systems work, that data is not only being held by the organization, but in many cases, they're using that to continually train their model. So is your sensitive information suddenly going to spit out in somebody else's answer or somebody else's response down the line? And uh, obviously, there's a lot of talk around being able to pay uh, a much higher subscription cost where you're just consuming and not passing back. But then you've still got the issue of your data sitting within uh, various different cloud providers uh, and the, the AI providers uh, and what happens with that data in it when it sits there. I think the interesting thing that you touched on source code and actually source code in our data is the number one type of sensitive data that is being put into these systems. Not far behind actually is intellectual property. Uh, and then regulated data sits actually much, much lower, uh, which across the normal data loss vectors, you see regulated data sitting much higher. And I think that's why virtue of how people are using it. You talked a minute ago about the, the developers putting source code in. Uh, and I think you know that's just indicative uh, indicative of that. Uh, if we think about it from a uses perspective as well, uh, we've been tracking it for for some time now, and in our own data, we're seeing it, the usage growing at about twenty five percent month on month. Which you know, if it keeps going at this exponential rate, uh, it's going to overtake a lot of the commonly used business applications at this rate. So, so Rich, I have a question for you. So. One thing is that there are some companies out there that are, you know, stating you're not allowed to use ChatGPT at all, like at all on your work computer, right? Or anything. But the thing is, as you're aware, there's always people looking for loopholes, right? It may not put security first, but they're looking for how do I cut down my time on spending this? So then what they end up doing is they might send an email to themselves and they use their personal computer to copy and paste into, you know, chat GPT on their personal device and then copy and pasting that into an email to themselves. So how, how do we go about to change that mindset? Because I know that we can ban chat GPT at companies and everything, but there's always going to be situations where someone is going to find a way to use it. So how can we kind of work with our security crews, our privacy crews and in, in companies and to ensure that like, look, ChatGPT is going to be used, but how do we do it in a way where we put guidance and that they listen and continue with those railings? Yeah. And I think for the organizations that I talk to that have just put in a hard block, it's really because they don't have the, the tools or the visibility to really do anything more than that. So it's that quick supposed fix, but as you rightly point out, people find a way. Uh, and this is the same with all types of, of data exchange. It's, it's the same through the, the pandemic where we saw the use of uh, unsanctioned or what I call kind of like uh, business IT applications skyrocketed because people just use the apps that they that they know. They use the apps that are going to make them productive. And as an organization, you want your people to be as productive as possible. So it's a way – what you what every organization has got to figure out is what is that balance? How do I help my organization be productive? without increasing that risk. And, you know, when it comes to things like uh, like generative AI uh, tools, we want our people to be able to firstly investigate their usage. You know, how can this be best used by the organization? Uh, and, and secondly, 
once you've once you figured out how to use it use it in a safe manner where your sensitive data isn't likely to be uh, passed to those applications so most organizations have an idea of what the sensitive data is that they that they need to protect whether it be intellectual property if they're in certain industries or financial information if they're in uh, financial services or source code etc uh, so a lot of what i've been talking to organizations about is how they can use technology in the right way that's looking more at the context of what's happening and this this goes beyond just the use of uh, of these types of tools to use of a lot of SaaS applications out there. You want to allow the support of, of these tools. You may have third-party business partners, for instance, that you need to use their, their tools and their applications, but in the right way. And this is where context comes in. You'd be happy for somebody to use, uh, say, chat GPT, if they're um, investigating its usage and its uh, and and how it could write better external documentation when the data you're feeding it is public anyway. So that's the difference, right? What is the data that's being inputted and what's the data that's being outputted? And what is the sensitivity level of that? Uh, and, and that means that, you know, first and foremost, you've got to define what your policy is as an organization. And then you've got to use the right tools, therefore, to, to allow that policy enforcement to be put in place. Uh, and at the point I'm at now is, is, is the point where organizations really have got to the point where they're now enabling its usage, but putting these guardrails around it. And those that are doing it, have they? What issues have they faced internally when creating these, you know, guidelines? Yeah, I think a lot of the issues come down to just not knowing or not having visibility of where their their data resides today, and the the comfort level with various different uh, parts of the organization. Yeah, especially when you're thinking about legal departments and signing off on this type of usage, uh, you know they they will have their own opinion. Often they're a lot more cautious than than the business uh, and some of the business areas. Certainly those where the business wants to be innovative, they don't want to be held back by that, and that's where I see the uh, the biggest friction. It's too early to make these decisions because you know it's only been around for two months. You know because that's when they heard about it not the you know the continued usage and and, uh, and the development of this over a number of years really uh, you know we've had a good understanding of these tools for quite some time uh, and yeah that's why we've been able to quite quickly you know correlate and start looking at some of the statistics around this so rich you attended infosec europe what were some of the conversations that you were hearing from folks that are getting concerned about the securing ai ml and i know like and I will break it into two groups, right? There's this one group of people um, that are claiming certain things to be concerned about, but in reality, they actually don't have a clue at all. And I have found that quite a bit since getting into AI ML security. And then there's a group of people that actually are learning everything they can, how ML is designed. So then they're able to figure out how do we fix the situation? How we re like, come up with better solutions here. And I don't know, when you were at InfoSec Europe, which parties did you seem or or thought were more dominated to be heard? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, certainly, uh, certainly it's usage and, and, and actually one of the, um, one of the most attended uh, strategy sessions was one actually run by uh, one of our team. Uh, looking at generative uh, AI and securing that, and I think that's just testament to the uh, to the popularity of you know 
such a talk and the relevance to to Europe. And for me, a lot of the conversations have been based on um, security analysts and security professionals, including CISOs, just trying to get a a good understanding as to how they can get visibility. We don't even know if this is being used within our organization. Uh, how do we get visibility to then go back to the business and say, this is the current state of play and this is what we need to do about it. Um, and this is the risk to my organization. So I would say the dominant, that was probably the dominant discussion. Uh, outside of that, I think there was obviously this secondary one of just people being inquisitive, right? Especially at a conference like InfoSecurity. Uh, now, maybe I was in a privileged position where I, I I wasn't really present on our booth where they would have a lot more co- of those general conversations. Uh, I spend a lot of time with security leaders, and I think that probably sways my opinion slightly. Certainly those that were actually you know, on the booth fielded an awful lot of questions that were, you know, just tell me what, you know, what the purpose of uh, generative AI tools is, uh, how's this going to affect my 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 organization, et cetera. So I think we're in two camps and, and I think it's up to us as professionals to to educate people in the right way as to as to how these tools can be used and the risks they represent. Um, did you attend any sessions that were around like uh, frameworks or policies being made like such as, uh, I, I always mess up the name of this, but it's INSA or something. It's it's the EU equivalent of like NIST, basically. Oh, yeah. 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 Did I say it right, INSA? <laughs> good enough. Good enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think I think when you're looking at the frameworks, a lot of people are, you know, even over in Europe, are following uh, NIST as well, uh, and, and some of the other frameworks. Uh, in the UK, obviously, we've got uh, the uh, some of the UK cyber. Um, uh, policies that we've got to follow from the UK government as well, uh, and that goes on to the more broader question around uh, around securing data and knowing where people's data is. Uh, and in a way, Gen AI is just one of those, you know, key exfiltration vectors that that are top of mind. Actually, when you look at it in terms of overall volume, it's actually still pretty low. Uh, things like personal Google drives, and you talked about sending data or email. Just exchanging data via personal Google Drive is still the highest way that data, highest volume of data that leaves an organization. So, you know, you've got that in mind. Going back to your your question, uh, I was privileged enough to actually host a roundtable in the Leaders Lounge focused around um, how to use or how to talk to your organization about using Zero Trust. And it very, very quickly shifted to, of course, how can Zero Trust how can a zero trust philosophy or framework help with uh, with securing this type of uh, of content? And this is, you know, this then goes back to the fact that to secure this type of content properly, we need that context. It's no good to simply be able to allow or block access to the website. More queries actually come via the APIs they're now putting in place uh, to allow other applications to get in. So there's a much broader area you've got to safeguard. And then of course the conversation went on to well, okay. How do we how do we use our understanding of user behavior? How do we use our understanding of the uh, of the endpoint? How do we bring all of this together to make a much better decision as to do we allow somebody to use it? And then when we do use somebody, allow somebody to use it, should I say, what extra policies can we then put in place to actually look at the data that's being inputted to see whether this contains sensitive information? Does this contain source code? Does it contain 
potential intellectual property? Does it contain structured regulated data, et cetera? So after you attend this conference, was there anything that piqued more of your fear of how security is going right now? Or would you say like, okay, I feel a little bit more calm because there's people are thinking about this. I'm feeling more relaxed because, you know, I'm not the only one thinking about it. How are you feeling <laughs> afterwards? Because like right now I'm at this conference I'm attending and the reason I bring it up, it makes me very concerned. And the reason for that is like there really isn't too many security companies present at this big event. Um, and so now you have these ML developers that are like, well, how do I secure this thing? I don't know security. I wasn't taught this. So I don't even know how to get started. And so those are conversations that I'm hearing and, you know, and participating is the fact that like you're at a tech conference right here and security is still absent in the room. And yeah. that, that, I don't know. I thought I was already like, you know, being kept up at night thinking about, oh my God, our industry needs to get a lot faster and quicker and cut through the misinformation about AI ML security. Um, but now I'm like, oh no, we got to go even faster than that because it's not even being really discussed in too many places. And it's just a bunch of, I don't know. I don't know. How have you been feeling since InfoSec? I mean, InfoSecurity Europe about this. Yeah, and I, I think you you made a great point there. If we if we think about it from a say a, a, a development a DevOps point of view, we've talked for years about security by design and building, and and it's this holy grail. And are we there yet? Well, of course we're not. Uh, but so much so much more is now reliant on API calls to third party applications. Uh, what's within that? How do we actually monitor that? And and that really then comes back, and that's why it's it's got to be so ingrained back into uh, into um, the development teams uh, at a very early stage as part of that design of the of the tool, the application. Uh, and with that, has to be an understanding. Uh, I think security for so long has been seen as that final step. We've got to get this through security to 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 allow us to to GA the application. Where of course it should be, oh, we've got this brand new project. Let's bring security in at the beginning, and let's make sure that we work hand in hand. And I see some organisations doing that and doing it very successfully. Uh, not enough of taking that approach yet to really get there. Uh, and a lot of the conversations that I have uh, with 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 CISOs really go from it really stem back to how can we be seen as a business enabler. Like I will be successful. Yes, of course, if the company doesn't get breached. But secondly, how can I be seen as somebody who was a business enabler, help the business move forward? And and that means actually getting and putting in frameworks and technologies that work for the course for today, but work for tomorrow. And of course, we can never predict, predict what's coming tomorrow. But there are certain things that we can put in place in certain frameworks uh, you know, zero trust as a concept is a great one that will help us on that journey as well uh, to to help us get to that that angle. I like your point about like that whole shift left kind of thing. Have security early on. We're not trying to end the creativity of a product and and anything like that. But we've always seen to be the dream killers in the room, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but you, the other thing is, I. Uh, 
you're kind of noting at the the fact that you know our we need to get more proactive versus re- reactive at this time and we need companies to support security teams to get that way and i know CISOs want to be more uh proactive versus reactive all the time and that's just kind of how the game is right now what would you say are like the top 3 advice that you have for CISOs in coming about with that change especially with um implementing AIML but also securing your own you know AIML products yeah i think you know first and foremost know your know your business meet your stakeholders understand from them what they believe is sensitive data i think every cso will will say actually i know what my sensitive data what the company's crown jewels are then they go and talk to the business and actually understand that's not necessarily the case now i was i was working a year or so ago a couple of years ago now uh in uh, looking at some threat data picked up the fact that actually a large automotive company this group of designers who weren't particularly important within the organization um uh suddenly popped up on on the radar low instant volume so it never bubbles to the top in the traditional way turns out that actually they were the team looking at a load of uh, ev motor designs and uh, and in effect quietly developing the, the ev motors for this large automotive organization extremely important for the future of that organization but hadn't come up on on radar wasn't the, what was defined by the crown jewels and i think that's just a great example of uh, of where if an organization isn't proactive isn't forward thinking isn't talking to the the teams then they don't necessarily fully understand what's coming tomorrow and what they need to protect tomorrow always so focused around today so moving from that today to the tomorrow and understanding the business i think is definitely number one uh, i think if we're thinking about uh, how we solve this issue of protecting generative AI, this is part of that bigger discussion around how do we project data generally? Uh, And the reason why this is so hard is because most technology products don't understand the the context. They don't understand that real deep communication layer uh, that is used by the client to talk to that application. You You can't view and inspect that content if you don't understand all of that. And there are thousands, tens of thousands of applications out there. And that's why this is such a hard challenge. Uh, and you know, if we go back to Netscape for a second, since our inception, that's been our focus. Understand the context of the new web, which is now predominantly based around SaaS applications uh, and public cloud. So what I see is organizations now adopting um, a platform that secures access to data wherever it is, whether it's within your own organization, in your own instance of a public cloud, a SaaS application, a third-party uh, application, using a single tool that understands that context. And that and that's really key to that framework. You build zero trust into that, suddenly you've got this model that you can adapt to anything. Because if you've got a platform that can see, no matter where the data resides and no matter where the user is, that visibility as that as that not necessarily the data even moving sometimes it can just be a call to a platform that says share this with this email address the data never goes down and back so you don't even see it on the on the wire and that's the model that organizations are, are moving to 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 get this visibility uh, across all of the applications they now use so rich what do you think it's going to end up being like in about a year from now when we talk about compliance with 
AI ML. What do you think is going to be the conversation in about a year from now? Well, I, I think the, the situation we're in right now is that organizations are still trying to get that that understanding. I think the in a year's time, the business themselves, the business is going to have much more of a focus on uh, on the usage of these tools. They'll, they'll have come up with a, a structure and a philosophy. And I think the conversation could go one of two ways. It could either, you know, if security involved from the from the get go with the business, then the outcome is going to be very different uh, than uh, than uh, security kind of coming into that, you know, later down the road. So I think I think the key conversation we're going to be having in a year's time is most likely similar to the one we're having today, but with a whole set of incidents that have occurred. It would not surprise me if we start seeing incidents appearing in the news, uh, because it's going to take a while for people to look at their estate, to understand their usage, to maybe look at the technology they've got to protect that. And like all of the these disruptive technologies, security always takes a little while to for everybody to catch up because every organization is at a different point on their journey, right? And uh, I don't I don't see it being that different. I just I believe that there's going to be more urgency. I think the fact that we're going to see incidents is going to help people then with the justification of their of, of their project or uh, their initiative to specifically look at this area. Ulrich, I'm going to have to get you back on this podcast in about one year's time. And we're going to talk about this last question. Yeah, we'll see whether I'm right in a year. <laughs> yeah, let's see. So, I'll do it yeah. at Info Security Europe. With you. <laughs> well, um, we're still talking about we're still talking about other types of, of data leakage. We still haven't solved the issue of people using your personal OneDrive's personal Dropbox, right. et cetera. Right. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, what's old is new again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're just like, well, I'm not going to be a target. I can do whatever I want kind of thing. Or like, oh, what's the chances of this happening? Yeah. And it's this what ifs that I think all of us in security are always like, and this is why my holidays get ruined every year. (laughs) Yeah. The best CISOs, in my opinion, are the ones that say it's not, it's not if, it's when. Let's assume this and work backwards from there. And I think that's the, that's the situation that we face with this is, if we see the usage keep climbing as we are now around the usage of, of Gen AI tools, and of course it's beyond, way beyond just chat GPT. Uh, you mentioned earlier about tools for copywriting. You know, Jasper is one tool that actually we're looking at as an organization within marketing. How does this help uh, be more productive uh, uh, with, with, with some of the writing as, a, as an early stage? So I think the other thing we're gonna see is we're gonna see an explosion of tools. Yeah. So this, is, this isn't gonna be how do we secure chat gpt it's how do we secure the 1000 applications of this type <laughs> all the llms it's going to yeah, be exactly. all the l <laughs> <laughs> well rich it was lovely to have you on here i am not kidding you i'm going to have you back on in the air we're going to continue this conversation <laughs> um but everyone uh you know stay safe and keep on learning and i'll see you in the next podcast rich thank you again it was lovely to no have problem. you on here Take care. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast with Chloe Mastagi, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. 
We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.